The Inside Ellen Road podcast is sponsored by PR Supplies at Unit 2 Wither Park Industrial Estate Leeds, postcode LS53AP. Check out PR Supplies on Facebook for all your home retail needs. Hello, welcome back to the Inside Ellen Road podcast with myself, Joe Donahue, and your YEP Chief Football Writer, Graeme Smith. Um, we've finally had it. We've finally the news that we were all waiting for. Daniel Farker is the new Leeds United manager. Um, he brings with him a complement of coaching staff. He's taken training for the first time this week. And finally, we have something of substance to discuss on this podcast, which means that there'll be no whimsy this week, Graeme. There'll be no, there'll be no laughing at uh, these silly jokes. There'll be no banger FC who they played in Europe quizzes. It'll all be Leeds United based content, and I'm delighted to be able to say that. How how has this week been for you? It's been good. It's been nice to have, like you say, something um, real and tangible. You know, you can reach out and touch Daniel Farker. I mean, I wouldn't, but but you could reach out and touch Daniel Farker. He's he's a real thing. Uh, and he's in Leeds and he's started work. He's got a job title, which is not head coach, as I think a lot of us probably anticipated, but manager, Mr. Manager, mm. uh, Daniel Farker. Um, and he's done his first press briefing at Elland Road with um, His Majesty's Press Corps. And uh, and he's set to work at, at Thorpe Art. He's already met the players. He met the staff Tuesday night. He wanted to meet the staff prior to the players and he wanted the players to have left the building before he kind of arrived because he wanted to meet them all as one, not in drips and drabs, Joe, but as in, in one big group uh, on Wednesday morning. So on Tuesday, once he completed his, his media duties and after he'd signed his contract, obviously, uh, and shaken hands all around and slapped the backs, etc., then he travelled to Boston Spa and met the staff and then on Wednesday, met the players and then took them in their first session, which I imagine was still fairly heavily fitness accented. But the round thing was out, as Liam Cooper pointed out on social media, which always goes down very, very well with footballers. Um, because if you've ever followed a footballer, probably below Premier League level on social media, you probably have seen that if the first week is just running and they start to call their club like Leeds United Athletics Club. Uh, um, but if the ball is out nice and early, then they really like that. So Farka had the balls out at Thorpe Arch on Wednesday. And uh, what? And I'm just shaking my head just because, you know, my, my, my warning to begin with was that this was going to be a very serious podcast. And you've already <laughs> said, you said that. You're very, sentence, infant, you're very infantile, Joe. You're very puerile. Um, <laughs> And yeah, he's had his first look. He's cast his eye over what he's got, uh, and we'll we'll go into what he's got available to him shortly. But uh, yeah, you're right. It is nice to have something to write about as we as we wait for the EFL to 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 find the button that brings on the green light because uh, they haven't found it yet for the takeover. I mean, we'll get onto the takeover shortly, but just staying with the, the theme of Daniel Farker at the moment, um, you had the, the pleasure of meeting him uh, during the week, uh, Tuesday, I believe it was, um, and uh, you obviously had the chance to ask him a few questions and, and sit in on on a, a sort of mini press meeting of, of sorts. 
Um, spoke for around 20, 25 minutes. Um, had some good things to say. I think it's it, you know that would be reasonable to 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 expect given that it's his first his first press briefing. But at the same time, there were a few a few comments, particularly about his time at Norwich, and particularly about the sort of the points that he wants to prove um, that that I found quite interesting. Um, that you know he wants to establish Leeds and himself as Premier League um, as Premier League clubs and managers. So. Um, what was it like to, to meet Daniel Farker? How did you how did you assess his his demeanour and and essentially what was the the take home message from from his first uh, his first encounter with uh, with the press? I, I did want to begin with something really pithy, like when you've met, when you've met one manager, Joe, you've met them all. But actually, I always really enjoy the first encounter with a new manager, just to see if there is anything different to the usual stuff about them. And we did, you know, he did tick the boxes. He he he, he ran through some old classics. He played the favourites, um, you know, big club, big fan base, uh, hard-working city, um, you know, could be, should be in the Premier League, this club, all of that good stuff. But the bits that I liked were the bits that you weren't maybe expecting so much. Like um, I wasn't trying to advertise myself to them. It was for them to convince me. Uh, and he did he did caveat that quite nicely um by saying it wasn't he didn't need to be convinced about the club or the size of the club but he needed to be convinced that the key people who are going to be running the club are going to be able to work with him you know they're going to be able to work together in tandem that they share a vision and he said once once he got that feeling that they were all on the same page then then he really felt like this was you know the job for him uh, i also liked when he talked about what it doesn't excite him unbelievably the thought of simply getting his hands on the championship trophy again what really excites him is is Leeds being established in the premier league and you always get the sense that a manager has come in to meet the press with a few things that they'd like to say a message that they'd like to get across and one thing i think farker was very keen to impress on the leeds hierarchy in his interview and that came into his interview with us as well was that he didn't really get a fair crack of the whip in the Premier League. At least he doesn't feel he did anyway. You know, he he had a, a team that he felt did miraculously well to get 21 points from the first 29 match days because they simply weren't a Premier League outfit. You know, they hadn't recruited Premier League standard. They hadn't spent Premier League money. It was, he felt obviously, a a championship, probably a championship squad with a couple of, Premier League players or, you know, some in-betweeners, as they sometimes get called. But he, he really feels that with a well-funded Premier League outfit, and the assumption here is that the 49ers are going to back the football operation with significant amounts of cash within FFP reasons, of course. You know, he really believes that with that, armed with that, that he can establish himself as a Premier League coach. And he can establish Leeds as a Premier League club, and that's really what what gets him going. So, um, I mean, there was all the realism about it's a really difficult league. It's the toughest league in the world. Premier League's the best league in the world. Championship's the toughest league in the world. And nobody is making any assumptions that Leeds are just going to walk it or get promoted. But also, I think he wants fans to get excited. Um, what did you make about the stuff about uh, being a, a bumpy ride or a bumpy start? That was quite good, wasn't it? 
Yeah, it was. I, I I read into that as you know he hasn't had the optimal amount of time to to get things ready. I think he he did want to make that very clear um, that you know it's it's not perfect that he's got you know thirty two days from when he signs the contract to when he takes the dugout for the first time in a, in a league fixture. Um, you know, thirty two days is not a great deal of time to to impress upon an entire you know a squad which is going to be you know changing and transitioning. Um, over the next month, it's, it's a period of time to to impress upon them a, a new style of play and just to get to know them essentially. So, um, I do think that he he acknowledges that things might not hit the ground running, and I think that's him maybe trying to buy himself a little bit of time. That not with not with the hierarchy because obviously they've given him a four year contract and it's they, they clearly do believe in him as a project manager. Um, but certainly with the fans, because I think he appreciates that the fans have been through the ringer for the past 18 months to two years. So, you know, anything other than a fast start in the championship is going to be, you know, I, I imagine it's going it, it, to, it'll, it'll not go down too well. Let's just say that, um, because obviously it's, it's not a difficult start in terms of the fixtures, at least on paper. Um, but if, 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 if you're still having to field players who might still leave on deadline day during that first month, it's it's not ideal. Um, you know, if, if you still haven't signed all of the players that you want, or you haven't um, you haven't supplemented the, the the positions that you do want players in by that first first few games, then naturally your your squad isn't going to be at hundred percent of what you think it can achieve. So. Bumpy start, yeah, fair point. It 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 might work. It might well be, um, but I think what we'll see with Farka is that if it's going to be a successful season, the team will really come into its own sort of during that midpoint of the of the campaign, and and that will be the the real test of of whether he he is able to to get a tune out of this, this squad or what will be the squad on you know first or second of September. Yeah, I mean. I suppose what you would say is that if Leeds do get off to a rocky start results-wise, then they're going to have to put together you know, a, a series of very good runs after that, and they're not going to be able to have many other rocky periods. I mean, Leeds United won the championship at a canter under Bielsa, but they still had rocky periods mm. in that season. You know, Everyone will always remember Forest away and, and how it felt then. And then they went to Brentford and they, they carved out a, a draw. And after that, everything started to feel much better. But there were periods, spells during that season and results that made you think, oh, this is this is wobbling. You know, this isn't, the wheel could come off here. That is to be expected. So maybe, maybe it, obviously it's not ideal to have that as your start because you, you want to start as you mean to go on. But you have to be, realistic he started later than many of his rivals Leeds have had to start back later than many of their rivals because they finished the season three weeks later than championship clubs did or at least he those said who weren't this, the... didn't he? this yeah. was something that he said a few times yeah um, that's another message that i think he came to he came to make clear um but it, what i liked about it was that he wasn't he wasn't saying anything ridiculous like you know this is the challenge, but we've got to we've got to embrace the challenge. We've got to learn to love the challenge. Um, you know, there wasn't any like high performance nonsense in there, um, or it wasn't particularly managers management speak either. It was just this is the situation. 
we're not complaining about it, but it's real. It's a real situation that we're having to deal with, and it might be a it might be a bumpy start. I also think he I knows. Wish, that... I wish you'd stop, Graham. I wish you'd stop plugging other podcasts on on here. <laughs> I don't know what what you're talking about. I was talking about the kind of more the genre of. Uh, um, don't say it again. <laughs> pseudo pseudo science. Um, yeah, he he was just recognizing the reality, and I think he knows that. Well, I mean, he said it. The squad he's got right now is not the squad he's going to have come second of September, but also. I don't think the squad he has on 6th of August is going to be the squad he has on 2nd September because there's no way Leeds get all their transfer business done in the next 32 days. I mean, first and foremost, the takeover shouldn't take too much longer, You would one would hope and expect, but it's still not been ratified by the EFL. Now, in order to get Farker in and approved, Leeds did need to go to majority owner, majority shareholder, Andrea Radrizzani, and say, look, this is our manager. We'd like you to approve this um, and, and green light it, because obviously he still legally owns the club. And this is one of those kind of big decisions. Now, they they wanted to hold off um, until they had the takeover done for the kind of the neatness of it, the aesthetics of it. But as it, as it turns out, it doesn't really make a material difference. I think fans are just relieved and pleased to get the manager in. And most fans seem pleased that it's Farka that's the manager. So I think they probably could have accelerated the process to bring him in a little bit and had him in a bit earlier without too much drama. Um, but I can understand, you know, the aesthetics of, of why they wanted it in a certain order. They just haven't been able to have it in that order. When it comes to transfers, though, given there's so much that's going to go on, I wouldn't expect too much in the way of incoming transfers initially until they've cleared the decks of those who don't want to be here, those that they don't want to keep, um, those that they can't keep. And and also, I imagine the takeover is going to go through before they start making major incoming moves and, and signing off on big expenditure, uh, whether that be wages or, or transfer fees. So um, there will be an order to things, and I think the priority right now is pairing the squad down, stripping it back to what Farka actually wants, and a more realistic look at what he's going to have available to him. Uh, and then, obviously, conversations are already ongoing about incoming transfers. On Wednesday afternoon, the recruitment staff who have been working on various deals and looking at possibilities, presented ideas to, to Farka. He has been in discussions with Nick Hammond about what they need and what they can bring in. Um, one of the things Farka talked about in his interview, in his presentation to the board, was the precise number of goals it was going to take and you know where those goals are going to come from and what they need to score those goals. So they have some ideas on what they need. They have some irons in the fire. But I, I wouldn't anticipate, you know, a, a triple sign-in by Friday. I just think it's going to take time to get things done. So I don't imagine we're going to see, and it's always really been the case, that you don't see the final squad until the transfer window shuts. Mm. I just think that the danger is that at the minute, the players that you really want to keep who might go, you know, we've spoken about this before, what you don't want to get is a false impression that, yep, I'm here, I'm staying, and then on the last day of the transfer window, when you're not anticipating it, an offer comes in from left field that the player 
deems too good to be true. Champions League or serious wage hike or going for a Premier League title, whatever it might be. And then you're left scrambling. You know, Leeds don't want to be in that position scrambling like they were scrambling in, in the last two windows. Um, maybe not in January. Maybe scrambling wasn't the right word for January, but scrambling was certainly the, the word for the last week of the summer transfer window last year. I find it quite interesting, Graham, about what you were saying um, about Farker's presentation when he said that you know the the number of goals that will be required to to essentially you know earn promotion because usually a goal corresponds to a point, doesn't it, over the course of a, a season? It certainly does in the Premier League when you're talking about um, the number of points needed for safety. Whether that's the same, whether there's a degree of variance uh, in in the Championship at the at the top end of the table. Uh, it would be interesting to have a look over the past few seasons, um, but clearly that's something where you know that, that's that, that's his that's his focus. His his primary goal is okay. Well, we're, we're looking to get promoted, uh, and I think it's 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 brave to not shy away from that straight away because, as you say, he doesn't know what this is going to be. Um, so, yeah, I think it, you know fair fair play to him for. For, for taking a look at, at that, taking a look at the squad, the situation and everything and saying, well, you know what? I'm not going to get this job unless I tell them what they want to hear, which is that next season there'll be a Premier League club. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think the level of detail that he went into impressed the board. Um, I, I, I think from what we're told, Vieira also really caught the eye at interview and was and everyone who they spoke to was incredibly well prepared. But there was obviously a lot about Farker that they liked, and, and not just his his demonstrated success of getting out of the championship twice with Norwich, but the way in which he talked about doing doing it with Leeds, how how they could do it with Leeds, who they could do it with, the players that would make it a difference, um, where they would need to strengthen. Um it's it's a bit like, you know, the great story of how prepared Bielsa was. Um, and and Farker made that point to us on Tuesday that he knows the championship inside out. You know, this is a league that he knows incredibly well. Um, it took him a bit of time at Norwich the first time around, didn't it? To, to go up, it took him a bit of time to, to embed his ideas. But you could certainly call him a cheat code for the championship with the way that it went in his second season with Norwich, and then when they went down and went bunched straight back up again. I mean, ninety four and ninety seven points um, mm. is comprehensive. So um, he knows how to get it done. He's just got to do it now with a different club. And there's a lot of variables that could make it very different for Farka at Leeds, working with a a different hierarchy, different ownership, a different fan base with different expectations. Um, Although I, I was reading yesterday, back to the time when Dean Smith stopped his family from going to Carrow Road because, um, you know, the flack that he was getting, um, I think principally because Norwich fans had got so used to good football under Farker, mm. and the football they were getting under Dean Smith just wasn't as aesthetically pleasing, wasn't as nice on the eye, and and, and really wasn't bringing in that many more results anyway. wasn't It wasn't a huge up, uptick in uh, performance and results, was there? After uh, Smith came in to replace Farker, um, so he will have he will have had a certain level of expectation at Norwich, and this is going to sound incredibly patronising to Norwich, but I just think Leeds is a different animal. You know, the Leeds fan base is a different 
species to what you might find uh, in Norfolk. Um, so there are, you know, there's lots of different variables, different squad. You know, he doesn't have Buendia. You know, who's going to be their Buendia that, that comes in? Um, who's going to be their pookie? Yeah, who's going to be their pookie? That's probably the biggest question. Um, maybe that's what we could uh, move on to next is what do they need? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they definitely do need players of that ilk, those who are able to, I don't know, I was looking at Farkas style um, sort of on earlier this week and just looking at just the influence that someone like Pookie has, that the runs off the shoulder, the being able to receive inside the penalty area, turn quickly and finish. You know, it's it's a very rare skill set to have. And as well, I was looking at the number of offsides that that, that Norwich team um, recorded and it was something like the third lowest in the division when they were when they were promoted, which for a team that are pretty dominant and for a team who effectively camped in the opposition half, to only be caught offside, I think it was 70 times over the course of the entire season, when you are you know, operating a style which is playing off the shoulder and, and threading through balls in, it's quite impressive. Um, so I think the, the pookie question, yeah, is, is one which... We'll need answering. One dear question, yeah, likewise, we'll need answering. Um, but I do think there are options within the squad that could suggest that there are there are players who are tailor made for this for this this style uh, for, for Daniel Farker. Um, in terms of what they need, then looking at the the sort of the work that Nick Hammond and and, and Farker will will have to do, and and I I do want to say I think Farker will have quite an influence on on the recruitment. Um, as he did at Norwich, you know, working in tandem with Stuart Webber rather than sort of providing suggestions and then being presented with players. Um, I think it'll be a, a collaborative effort um, because that was essentially the, he, he, he sort of had the run of the things um, at Norwich. You know, there were a lot of players signed from Germany, a lot of players that he'd worked with previously at Borussia Dortmund's uh, B team. Um, and yeah, I think, I think he will, have a have a, a a considerable say on that. I think that that speaks to the the fact that he is going to be referred to as manager rather than head coach. But what they need, um, I mean, they need they need a goalkeeper. They need two goalkeepers. They're probably going to need some. Well, uh, they're probably going to need a left back. Probably going to need need a striker. Probably going to need some central midfielders. So, a lot of work to be done. And it, a lot of it depends as well on who they manage to keep. If you keep, if you somehow miraculously keep Tyler Adams, which I think would be, uh, I mean, that will be up there with the signings of the season in the championship, the retention of Tyler Adams, because he is plainly a Premier League quality midfield enforcer. Um, he, I think he would be incredible in the championship. I really do. And um, I think he would help the team stay on the front foot. You know, he would, he would help them get the ball back very, very quickly and help them to camp in the opposition half. So retaining him would be huge. But if he, if he goes, there's... And Rocker, we expect, will go. That's There's a big gap there. Big, big hole. Mm. And yet again, Leeds go into a transfer window. A year on from making everyone feel like, oh, well, you know, finally they've addressed the central midfield. Here they are again needing to address the central midfield. So let's see what they come up with, but it will have to be quality and quantity in there. Um, if Adams goes particularly, uh, Forshaw, 
as as people have seen, hasn't been pictured in preseason. Um, we expect that he may well still sign for Leeds. Um, there's there's been talks about that, but we don't know if he's if he's going to take um, what Leeds have talked about, or if maybe he's going to go elsewhere. But I think the idea of relying on Adam Forshaw as a starter, uh, I'm not saying he wouldn't be good enough. He'd be more than good enough, Adam Forshaw, for for ball retention and um, aggression even, um, and just sensible decision-making on the ball. But the idea of relying on him for a 46-game season, the idea of relying on Patrick Bamford for a 46-game season is an idea that belongs in, in the past for Leeds. You know, it's, it is very much time to move on. And you could have, you could maybe accuse Leeds a little in the past couple of years of suffering from sentimentality a little bit from not being quite able to move on from uh, the promotion team, not maybe not transitioning quickly enough to the next team. And there are certain positions where that, you know that concern needs to be put to bed this summer. I think number nine is probably number nine, and and if Adams goes, central midfield are are absolutely huge, and left back is, you know, left back has been the Same bane of this club. Yeah, the bane of this club's life for a lot of years now, and I don't expect that Junior Forshaw, Junior for Junior Forshaw, Junior Forshaw. <laughs> Oh, and there uh, we go, ladies and gents. We do have the uh, the title for this week's episode right there. <laughs> Junior Forshaw. Yes. Um, not anticipating that Junior Farpo will be Leeds left back come 2nd of September unless something unexpected takes place. Um, I think they'll I think they'll go for a left back or two because they probably need a youngster as well. We've been saying that for a couple of years as well. You know, the, the strength and depth at the club at left back has not been good. Um, we still don't quite know when Stuart Dallas will be uh, able to play competitive football again. So you can't really factor him into the discussion when it comes to the squad build just yet. So yeah, go and get a left back. You know, why not go and get Charlie Taylor from Burnley? Bring him home. You know, he's. I know people will say, "Oh, lacking imagination." It's just because he's ex Leeds, but actually. He was in the best team in the championship last year. He's probably not going to start in the Premier League no, this season. Um, so why not go and get him? He's he's definitely good enough. He played in a in a very aesthetically pleasing team last year in the championship. Uh, he knows what it takes to get out of the championship. Um, maybe his age counts against him slightly. Like he's not. He's not a youngster, is he? And Farka did go with a very, very young tandem fullback uh, situation at Norwich. He had Max Aaron's on one side and Jamal Lewis on the other. Um, I'll just uh, I'll just look up exactly how old. I think he's twenty nine. Yeah, you're right. Twenty nine. Yeah, I mean, twenty nine's not that old. No, it's not. Um, and you want winners, and you want September. You want winners. You want experience. He he is experienced. He he has he's played in the Premier League. Um, he he's, I mean, he's played against Rafinha. So, I mean, immediately he's got a he's got a leg up on a lot of uh, Championship defenders. But 
I mean, how much did he play last season? Because I know that Burnley had Ian Matson um, on loan. Was he on loan from Chelsea? Maybe. Um, and he was, and he was he was typically Vincent Company's first choice, and that's probably why Taylor will be available this summer. Um, I know. And actually, in fairness, he played centre half quite a lot of the time, according to transfer marked, uh, and played thirty three times. So just goes to show what I know. Um, yeah, I mean. The thing is, though, do you want another fullback who can play centre half? I feel like this squad is just absolutely chock full of them. Yeah, maybe you just want a, a good old-fashioned out and out left back, not a not a winger converted to a left back, um, not a player who's good going forward, but absolutely no good in one v one defending situations. Maybe just a nice solid left back, left back. Um, I'd still consider Taylor to be honest for that role. I know yeah, you like I'm, you like Manning, who's free, which a lot of clubs will like this summer. He's free after his contract expired at Swansea. How did they? How did they get to a situation where his contract expired? By the way, I don't know, Graham. I cover Leeds United, not Swansea City. Um, well, I know, but you follow all these these little things, don't you, in your spare time? So, um, <laughs> I, I honestly have no idea. Um, it's a weird one, isn't it? It is because he's been so. I mean, last season in particular, he was so good um, for for Swansea that you would have thought that with six months to go, they would have been throwing money at him. But clearly, he thinks that he's he's capable of playing elsewhere. I don't know where he'll go, um, but you can imagine that quite a lot of clubs will be after him. So, I mean, if Leeds deemed that, I don't know, someone like Taylor is a better option for what they want and what Fark wants, then. I'll we'll have to wait and see, but yeah, I'm, I, I'd be I'd be interested to find out where Manning ends up. Do you want to know my my doomsday option? If for whatever reason, say say there's just a a drought of left backs in the summer transfer window, and suddenly all the left backs yes, are unavailable, um, you go Max Vober at left back. And Liam Cooper at left side of centre back. Okay, what about Pascal? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, Do you think Pascal could be good in the in the championship at left back? Um, possibly. I, I just think I don't know. Like, like I said at the end of the season, I want Pascal to play somewhere as a centre back this season a lot. You know, I want him to play thirty plus games somewhere at centre back. My impression is that Vober and Cooper are going to fight it out. They're going to duke it out, mano a mano, for the left-sided centre-back role. So I don't know if Pascal gets in there because Vober obviously is good, international player, um, looked fine in the Premier League, leader, very vocal, good passer of the ball. You can say most of the same things for Liam Cooper, international player, um, Always really highly rated by his teammates, um, you know. Despite all the critics that he has, has largely been fine in the Premier League. Will be perfectly adequate in the Championship. He's the club captain. Good pass of the ball. Good left foot. Uh, yeah, I mean, my my ideal is probably that it's either Cooper or Vober at left sided centre back. And Charlie Creswell at right side of centre back, and then you have your your Cooper Ben White dynamic that you had when Leeds went up. You know the the wily old fox 
next to the the young greenhorn and you know talking him through it and and bringing him on because Ben White's talent was probably always going to come to the fore and he was always going to succeed but Liam Cooper helped him a lot in that first season at Leeds um a first ever championship season for Ben White um that partnership was absolutely massive for Ben White and I could see the same being true for Charlie Creswell and, and I just think I know that Leeds want to be strong across the pitch and you want to have depth. They are going to have to do something at right-sided centre-back because Creswell alone wouldn't be enough as an option and you're expecting Urante to go, I know Ayling can play there, can probably play there quite well in the Championship. But you don't, don't want to have to rely on that, do you? You don't want to have to, you rely, have to rely on, on that. you know, oh, he can play there, oh, he, can, he can do this. You, you know, this is a team that you want to be challenging for the title. You want to be challenging for automatic promotion. Can won't cut it. It's you know you need to you need to build a squad that is. I mean, not like going back to Bielsa times, but you know has two very capable players in each position. You also don't want to look look a gift horse in the mouth. Like, don't let Charlie Creswell be the player that you overlooked, um, and he went somewhere else and became a star. You know, I really think he could play this season and play a lot and do a very good job for Leeds. And yes, you will get mistakes because he's a very, very young centre-half. You get mistakes from very, very experienced centre-halves. But I think if he plays a lot and continues to develop on his current trajectory, then I just think you've got a real prospect there, a real player. And I think the same, we've said it before, but I think the same is true at right-back where... Cody Drama is is staring Leeds in the face. You know, he's back for pre-season. Um, I expect that he'll Farker will take a really good look at him over the next week. Uh, and the there's the game in Oslo. You, you imagine he'll play at least some part in that. I think he you know, starts. Chris, I think Aileen plays right centre-back and Cody plays right back just because mm, there's no one else to play. Yeah. Cox, well, Cox, you imagine Cox will have gone. Cox, yeah, Cox be... I mean, Cox, Cox gone, hasn't he? Cox off. So, and Christensen is probably off. Uh, I mean, he, he's due back, what, next Monday? So that's the 10th. I mean, that's two days before the friendly. You're not really going to throw him straight back in, are you? No. That would be, uh, I mean, that would be the clearest indicator that, that Drummond needed to leave. If Christensen was back for all of two days, he'd done his preseason testing and then it was, right, you're starting. After uh, ahead of Cody, who had who'd been, you know, in in the building and training for for the past week, ten days. I don't. Yeah, I'd I think be, he starts. I think drama I'd starts. be baffled. I'd be absolutely baffled if Leeds were not seriously considering and seriously talking about giving Drama a new contract. Um, he's done it's it twice in the championship. Left. Yeah, you know, uh, he's got twelve months left. He's a serious prospect. He always has been a serious prospect who's always looked good. 1v1 defending, he's fantastic. He flies up and down. He'd have the legs and the mobility and the energy to play the Farca style. Um, and you know, young, young energetic fullbacks bombing on was a key feature of, of Farca's championship winning team at Norwich. It, just, it all seems to fit um, again it's it's almost it's almost obvious isn't it you know for a club that that are now admitting that maybe in the past they've gone for the clever option or the 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 lesser thought of option uh 
the more obscure, the more left field. There, Farka felt like this is an obvious appointment. You know, there's not many reasons why you wouldn't appoint Farka for this role. There's, I can't see many reasons why you wouldn't keep Creswell and Cody Drame for this season. Um, so yeah, those are those are some decisions that that Farka and Hammond need to come to uh, in the next little while. Um, yeah, we've also seen on the, on the transfers front, we've also seen links to um, Newcastle United goalkeeper Carl Darlow, uh, 32 years of age, um, has, has, has spent a lot of time as a number two in his career, um, but has, has been out on loan recently at, at Hull. Um, I think the consensus is that he's always been a fairly solid championship goalkeeper, um, maybe not the required standard for the Premier League or not the required standard to be first choice in the Premier League. Um but, you know, depending on the, the financials of that deal, whether it be a short term or, you know, whether it be something which is on loan or whatever, um, you know, I think there are worse options out there. I mean, when you look at the, the likes of Burnley, they're supposedly signing James Trafford from Manchester City for 19 million quid. You know, he was in, he was in League One last season with, um, with Bolton. And yes, did very well, has done very well with England's youth teams this summer um, and is a very, very highly rated player. But, 19 million quid is a lot for a player who hasn't got any Premier League experience, who hasn't got any championship experience. So I think Leeds do need to box clever when it comes to, to transfers. And if that means bringing in somebody like Carl Darlow, then, um, then so be it. But they, they do, I mean, he might not even be coming in as first choice goalkeeper, Darlow, for all we know. He might be coming in as, you know, oh, well, he's one who is in contention to be number one, but we want to bring in another goalkeeper as well because. Joel Robles isn't back, despite the um, the invitation to to come back for preseason. Um, Melier is still away with France. Um, Christopher Klassen isn't due back for a little while yet because he was away with Norway's under twenty ones. Um, so you've got who's like Danny Van den Heuvel, Harry Christie, Daryl Ombang, Rory Mahadi as your your four goalkeepers for preseason training. Um, they do need to get. They, they do need to get the goalkeeper situation sorted, don't they? They do. And it's it's another interesting one for me. Um, Darlow has been linked to Leeds previously. He's a bit like Angus Gunn uh, in that his name comes up a lot with Leeds. The reason for that is probably because they feature quite highly when you you know plug the data in, you know, for what Leeds might need in a goalkeeper, you know, that their data comes out comes out quite well so they're always kind of at the top of lists um i just wonder about melier and where he's actually going to go like who who's going to come and sign him you know for the kind of money that leeds will want um a lot of the a lot of the thinking with players that are departing this summer so far anyway you know there's a lot of loans going on loans that will possibly become Permanent, certainly in uh, Urente's case, that looks to be the deal. Cock, obviously, at the end of his loan, he, he just walks because his contract ends next summer. Um, Aronson goes on loan, and I don't, I don't know for certain, but I don't believe there's an obligation there in that deal with Union Berlin. So maybe they come back. Some of them they go on loan, they play at a high level, and they come back to Leeds, who are fingers crossed, a Premier League outfit next summer, and then either they can be considered for lead squad or with their value back at 
you know, a reasonable level that can be sold because right now you just wouldn't get a return on your money for them. Um, Melia, I just don't know. Like maybe there's like a French team that's going to play European football that, that want him. Um, maybe Italy, but can you see a Premier League club right now, given how his last six months have gone, saying to him, "You're going to be our number one goalkeeper next season"? No, um, I can't. I can't think. I mean, you think about the Premier League teams who might lose their goalkeepers this summer, like David Raya at Brentford. Brentford are, Brentford are smart. They're plugged into the data. Melia's data has been subpar for, for, for a while now. Um, I, I can't see them spending a lot of money there. Um, and then who else? You know, all right, Man United might lose David De Gea. He's not going to go Man United. Right? Despite what your football gossip columns might want you to believe, he's not going there. Um, the Chelsea pipe dream. I mean, yeah, he might end up there, but he's not number one. You know, Pochettino's not gonna not gonna stand for that. I, I do I do know where you're coming from, and I kind of know what you're getting at. It's that they might not need to sign two goalkeepers because one might just be enough because they might still have Melier. Is it is it worth having Ilan Melier, who clearly I mean I, I say clearly it's speculation wise and and just me reading between the lines from his interviews, but it, it, he hasn't given off an impression that he's somebody who wants to stick around. No, and that that is where a lot of the expectation that he'll leave comes from. I just wonder if Leeds are entirely ready to abandon Melier as a project. You know, he's he's still very very young. He did really well in the championship. He was doing pretty well in the Premier League up until a point where his confidence was shot and he had to come out the team. Well, I mean, I dispute I dispute that a little bit. I think. About the past two seasons, I, just, I, I don't. I, I, he's had a few performances where he's yeah maybe saved leads, but there have been a lot of games where I think he's been at fault for things, and you know this, the kicking hasn't been great, and just in general shot stopping. When you when you're a, a team at the bottom, you need your goalkeeper to be an elite shot stopper because unfortunately you are going to concede goals. Um, that is that is just that's an occupational hazard, but. I just don't think that he's been as good as the hype had been after that first Premier League season, which was good. I will concede and admit that, that, you know, his first year in the Premier League was um, like something that we've very, very rarely seen from goalkeepers that young. But then to follow it up with a, a difficult year and then an even more difficult year, I, I just I just don't know. Like, do you, do you abandon the project? Like, you only joined for five million. You could get more than five million for him. You could. Um, you could also say that in the championship, in a Leeds team that's expected to be possession-based, dominant, and going well, he won't face anywhere near the kind of pressure and the mm-hmm. kind of scrutiny that he faced in those last two seasons in the Premier League. He won't be facing the same elite level of shots uh, and chance creation. So does that then create an environment in which he can go again, he can rediscover his confidence and he can work on his kicking and in a year's time he's back to being Premier League potential. Um, And you have to also think, this guy's still a few years off his peak. You know, he's he's still really, really young. I don't know, maybe I'm making a a case that's entirely pointless because he's going to go somewhere 
either on loan or or, or sold permanently. Um, but I just wonder about him. Like, what are the actual what are the actual options that are available? Not the you know Manchester United are interested in Robin Cock type options that are, that just are pure fantasy. Um, what are the actual real life options for Melier that involve Leeds being happy with the terms and involve him playing a significant number of games at a very good level? Yeah, it is. It is a question which I'm sure we'll we'll get some some light shone on over the next month or two. Um, but before we we finish for this um, this week's episode, um, Graham, do you want to provide just sort of a, an, an update on the on the takeover latest? Because obviously it was preferred that the takeover would have been ratified and confirmed before the managerial appointment. But with preseason um, beginning, I think Leeds were, were obviously keen to get Daniel Farker in the building. Um, before that EFL green light. There's still no indication that there is anything to worry about. It's simply a you know, it's a bureaucratic process. You've got to pass you've got to pass the tests, you've got to jump through the hoops. But what is the what is the latest from um the, the EFL situation? They're still working through it. Um maybe not to the speed that, that Leeds and 49ers Enterprise would have would have wanted, but this is the speed that it takes. Um, other clubs have had to go through it as well, and, it, and it's taken a lot longer than this for other deals to get ratified. We're just we're just waiting, so <laughs> that's that's where it is. It's not a great deal that else can be said about it. I think almost the the kind of panic about it because there was but there was a void, uh, a, a communication void. I think that that was created by the fact that. 49ers Enterprises weren't saying anything um, and they hadn't yet appointed their manager and it felt like to the outside world nothing was happening even if under the surface the Ducks feet were going 10 to the dozen it looked like on the surface nothing was really going on Um, at least now that the manager's in the Ducks feet were going 10 to the dozen yeah (laughs) what's that I've never heard that one before You've well, you've never used that one before either, and you've got a you've got a repertoire of them. Yeah, well, just sometimes I like to bring out a uh, not a new one, but you know one that I haven't used in a while, um, like a junior for sure. Yeah, yeah. So at least they've got their manager in, and now people can see that stuff is happening. You know, he's he's in place for the first week of preseason, and he's he's working, and stuff's happening. Um, I think there'll be a bit less panic about the takeover. Um, Obviously, if it runs into weeks and weeks, then people will either get pure fatigue or we will leave Twitter before the ship sinks um, because we'll be plagued with any news on the takeover questions and the answer will always be the same. But it just takes as long as it takes and and we'll wait and see. Right, well, before we go, um, uh, we could make this a regular feature because there is just so much... Um, on on Leeds United Twitter, which which is worth of, of cracking a smile, but this from uh, an account called Danny Priestley uh, gave me a little chuckle uh, this week, and it's it's impressive that Daniel Farker manages to simultaneously possess the face of a man who has won knife fights on a yacht in international waters and the voice of a man who makes delicate wooden clocks bring on the championship. <laughs> that, that is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Delicate wooden clocks as well. It's really playing into the whole Alpine thing. And it's fantastic, um, isn't it? So, Danny, if you're a listener to this podcast, absolutely top work. And, yeah, bring on the championship. I think we can now definitively say, because Leeds United have a manager, they're going to have a new ownership. They're going to sign new players. Um, yeah. Do, we, do you, In fact, Graham, 
this might be a bit cheeky, but do you have a prediction for the season? Yes. Yes, I think <laughs> Leeds are going to get automatic promotion. Excellent. Well, you know what? And let's let's hope so. Let's really, really cross our fingers that it's going to be a, a season of, I don't know, 26 to 28 wins, you know, 10 draws, and then maybe a few defeats if, if we have to. But I can put up yeah. with... I can put up with championship food for a year because I know what I'm getting back to. And I honestly think that the absence will make the heart and the gut fonder for, for what the Premier League provides. Yeah, less, less said about the food, the better. But um, yeah, this has been the, uh, the Inside Island Road podcast with myself, Joe Donoghue, and YP Chief Football Writer, Graham Smith. Um, finally reporting that Daniel Farker is the Leeds United manager. Yeah, we'll be back next week with with more uh, more updates on preseason uh, ahead of the uh, the friendly in uh, in Oslo against Manchester United. So um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll speak to you very soon. Bye for now. The Inside Ellen Road podcast is sponsored by PR Supplies at Unit Two Wither Park Industrial Estate in Leeds. PR Supplies, everything for the home.